I mean, <laughs> we were thinking about doing an episode, another episode of John McCarthy, oh, Johnny Mac, City Image versus John McCarthy, <laughs> a Johnny Mac, but. Yeah, energy's not quite there. I just don't have the emotional energy to talk MacArthur. about. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> it's boring. It does, it's stupid. It, I don't know. Yeah. Well, if you were wondering why we're talking about Mr. Johnny Mack and his recent sermon on women in the church and like the the craziness that he says in it, so. But nah, but not 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 today, folks. N- not today. I love that Brian. Yes. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna try to get him on. We just want to hear from him. But <laughs> you gonna try to get him on? All right, yo, I don't you know, man. Shot. You just gotta email people and see. What... I don't know, bro. I don't know, like the level of restraint that I would have to have though to have him right next to me. Have that conversation He might tell me to go home Even though I'm in my house <laughs> like we're, we're recording in, in my house He might be like Go home oh, Brian man. You don't belong here Anyway Enough of that This is Brian the Theological Giant it's Andy Young Nassau County Varlene the Wild Thornberry And you are listening to episode number 33 Of the City Image Podcast I hope you guys are having a great mid-November uh, Episode be coming to you right around uh, Right around Thanksgiving time um, right before Thanksgiving. Um, so definitely want to be like wishing you guys a blessed Thanksgiving season with you and your family. Um, we're blessed, man. The Lord continues to be gracious to us as we continue to just give the people what they want, man. Continue to, to, uh, Bless you guys with the content. We thank you for always listening and, and rocking with us. Uh, we kind of wanted to just hit a couple of topics, kind of all related to one topic, um, but, you know, uh, kind of uh, related to each other. Uh, we want to talk about Tony Evans and an article that came on Christianity Today uh, where it basically... Uh, highlighted a lot of things that Tony Evans has been involved in. First of all, just talked about the celebrating him and his 50 years of ministry. For those of you who who may not know who Tony Evans is, Tony Evans is a megachurch pastor, King. <laughs> uh, theologian. Uh, he was, I believe, the first black student to graduate with a PhD from Dallas Theological Seminary. Yep. Um, and he, you know, has a ministry that has touched millions of people in the church. Faithful gospel ministry for decades, many, many, many church leaders that um, even my pastor, former pastors have been heavily influenced by him and his ministry. Uh, so very much so a spiritual father in the faith to many. Um, and so recently there was a celebration of his 50th year in ministry. Uh, and they also celebrated the fact that uh, recently, I believe the top of this month, uh, he released a Bible study named after himself and a commentary named after himself. He is the first African-American to have both a Bible study and a commentary after himself, which is huge. Um, so we want to talk about that, its implications. And also in the article, it brought up just his influence on Kurt Franklin and Kurt Franklin Lecrae's decision to boycott, was it the Dove Awards, the uh, TBN, uh, just in general, um, because of the fact that they edited out Kurt Franklin's speech. So we're going to be diving into all of those things. Keep it locked, man. Um, you're listening to episode 33 of the Cindy Image Podcast. City Image.
guys for listening. Welcome back to the City Image Podcast. And I wanted to jump off, uh, start this thing off, man, just talking about uh, Tony Evans. And um, first of all, just, you know, celebration of his life, celebration of his 50th um, year anniversary of, of ministry and his production of these two books, uh, a study Bible in his name and a commentary uh, in his name. And just the impact of that, uh, I think that um, when I was reading that, I was, you know, I was very, uh, just really, um, just, it, it really affected me in a positive way. I was thinking about it because there's so much, uh, Trauma. I think that, you know, I've seen black Christians experience and, and go through these last few years as we've wrestled, obviously, with our primary identity as Christians, but also a very important aspect of our identity as being black um, of various different cultures uh, in America and wrestling with this idea of representation in Christian circles um, and, rep- and, and, and wrestling with this idea of wanting to have a sort of orthodox theology, right, sort of an evangelical, quote-unquote, theology, but having a culture that's relatable to our issues. And, you know, I think there's been so much conflict in that part of Christian community because, you know, when we've had issues arise, especially justice issues, issues, you know, relating to, uh, you know, whether it's police brutality or, you know, poverty, mass incarceration, issues, you know, uh, immigration, whatever the case may be, issues that are more related to in minority spaces, you know, we've not really found, uh, sort of theological, ethical representation uh, from an evangelical perspective oftentimes, right? So you'll either find people who say they really love the Bible a lot kind of kind of push away, you know, Christians who want to talk about that stuff or say that's quote-unquote what the political liberals want to talk about or you'll have, you know, individuals uh, who are probably just way less in terms of orthodoxy committed to Christian orthodoxy, but want to talk about issues of justice all the time, right? And I think you've had people who've had to pick and choose. And so I'm thankful for a person like Tony Evans who's walked that line, who's been someone who is uh, spoken out on those issues, been um, very clear on those issues. Even as I was, you know, reading uh, just what he wanted to accomplish with his commentary. Uh, Just thankful for seeing the things that he's even going to be doing with his commentary where we can get that representation, I think, as black Christians um, and, you know, feel like we can have a voice uh, and at the same time, like, you know, I think address the issues that that are pertinent to us. So those are some of the thoughts that I was having as I was, you know, seeing this, uh, seeing the the or, or celebrating rather the idea of him publishing you know the, this commentary and this uh, Bible study. Yeah, and I, I um I just love that you can also see like through his family, right? Like his family is just um 
been very influential in my life as well. His, his daughter, Priscilla. And, Priscilla um, Shire is a beast, yeah, by the way. She's <laughs> great. I mean, she's a great actor, actress too. Like, what? Yeah. You know, his, his, um, his son as well. You know, and so um, I think that says a lot about your leadership when your family is like, yeah. you know, um, doing their thing as well. And um, they're so honest and true, like, you know, and so transparent. And I really I really love that about it, about him and his family. And um, I think it's awesome to like, you know, like you said, celebrate when, when people are doing doing good things. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I think that what I wanted to do is. I uh, wanted to read a segment of just what he was trying to accomplish with this commentary because the Christianity Today article, they asked him uh, a question. I wanted to read it. It says, to go back to your mention of the black presence in the Bible, is there something new that you brought forth in your commentary Bible? And his response is, well, one is to acknowledge that it's there, right, that there's a black presence there. In the lineage of Jesus are a number of people from the lineage of Ham. The lineage of Ham goes back to African people since he settled in Africa. We deal with the curse of Ham that was used to promote slavery in America and apartheid in South Africa. The role of Egyptians in the Bible is pointed out in Scripture as well. The African presence in the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 13 Moses married Zipporah, who was the daughter of Jethro, an African priest. So that's often not pointed out. Come on. And in fact, in Numbers 12, God judged Aaron and Miriam for their rejection of Moses' African wife. Okay. So early on, God was dealing with racism and interracial marriage. What I want to say to African Americans is if you see what's really in the Bible, you can find yourself there. You don't have to lose yourself to believe in Jesus. In fact, much of who we are is in Jesus. So that's very profound. I know one thing that... Uh, is a necessary apologetic in the African-American community if you're going to evangelize is the need to show why Christianity isn't a white person's religion, why it isn't the religion of our oppressive masters who made us believe as a result of slavery. Uh, Many people believe that uh, the history of Christianity and black people doesn't start until the slave trade, right? And so to highlight the black presence in the Bible, to highlight what black what God was doing among African peoples, you know, um, and to show how black peoples have a stake in this as well can be huge in for evangelism efforts in the black community, man. So I think, you know, I'm going to get me a copy, you know, right now the finances are a little tight, but when the finances get better, I'm <laughs> definitely going to co- get a copy of the commentary, something that I'm going to be, you know, referring to often. And I think, you know, for people who may not even be black, right, this is this is an opportunity for you to have a sound voice. There's always been sound voices who are who are black, right? I don't want to act like Tony Evans is the first one, but every time sometimes I talk to some of my white evangelical contemporaries, like, oh man, we don't have any sources of people who are solid, who are black. Well now you got one, right? I, I wasn't really buying that excuse from the beginning. <laughs> but <laughs> now it's there, right? So I think, you know, I, I don't think this should become the, the black person's Bible study, right? I think every, you know, I, 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 would, I would hope that people from different cultures who really want to learn from people from different cultures should pick this up, right? Because black people have had to learn from white people all the time, 
right? And I'm thankful for a lot of of my white teachers. That's right. But I I also learned knowing that there were a lot of things, especially ethically, that they didn't deal with because they didn't have any of my experiences, right? So, so I would hope that this is an opportunity that white people avail themselves of to actually learn about the black presence of scripture or whatever else Tony Evans has in his commentary that may be helpful. So, so yeah. Um, that's good. That's good. Um, uh, I wanted to kind of uh, transition now, though, into, uh, I guess, kind of talking about some other things that were in the in the article. And one of the things he talked about in the article was uh, uh, was his influence, Tony Evans's influence on Kirk Franklin to uh, boycott uh, the double double war. So yeah, so Kirk Franklin, I love me some Kirk Franklin. Even though you know, there's been some ups and downs with my relationship <laughs> Shout out to with Uncle Kirk, Kirk though. right? We but love like, Kirk. he's always been around. Like, we, we you love know Kirk. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so um, I guess last month the Dove Awards had aired, and while he was accepting his re- award, he had mentioned um, a Tina Jefferson who was shot at home by a white policeman. And um, unfortunately, that piece of the speech got cut off. He, I guess, spoke to his counsel, which included someone like Tony Evans. Right. And he was told that, yo, like, you know, they're pretty much cutting out your black experience. And so, you know, this is not right. And so you should probably try to see how you can rectify this and fix this. And so one of the ways is by boycotting the Dove Awards and TBN. So like, yeah, so that was one of, so that's what he was advised to do. And so Lecrae hopped on and also was boycotting. Pretty much his statement was, you know, I made the decision to not attend any events affiliated with or for the Dove Award Gospel Music Association or TBN until tangible plans are put in place to protect and champion diversity, especially where people of color have contributed their gifts talents and finances to help build the viability of these institutions. I am aware that the word boycott often has a negative connotation and finality to it, but my goal will never will forever be reconciliation as well as accountability. It is important for those in charge to be informed that not only did they edit my speech, they edit the African American experience. Now, this was not the first time that the Dove Awards had did this. They yeah. did this also when he spoke about um, um, and another um, Philando uh, Castillo Yeah with Philando Castillo So like He talked to them about it And they said they would fix it And yeah. now he comes around And he talks about it again Because this is always A recurrent issue In our community And they cut it out again And just to read What his actual statement Was in the speech It said This past weekend A young 28 year old lady A young girl By the name of Tatiana Jefferson Was shot and killed In her home By a policeman And I'm just asking that we send up prayers for her family and for his and asking that we send up prayers for that eight year old little boy that saw that tragedy. Nothing egregious in that statement. Come on. That was that was actually not even woke. That was very, very, like, I mean, very, very politically correct. Yo, you could have went way harder than that if you wanted to. You know what I'm saying? And they still cut it out. Bro, this is like... I mean, so egregious to my soul that they would cut something like that out that it's like, you know, you know what they they were doing and mm-hmm. cutting it out. Absolutely. Yeah. But and, how do you know it just wasn't like an intern 
that that did it twice in a row. Stop it twice in a row. They fired the first intern. Yes. You know, they didn't train him well. And then, uh, all right, so, so they come out with a statement and they say, we accept the responsibility of our era. Although completely unintentional, mm-hmm, we understand it caused great harm and deeply wounded many in the African-American and gospel community. As well, it left a general perception that we are not concerned with key social issues that affect people of color. It is not our intent to disregard or silence any of our artists, and we are deeply saddened by this perception and are, com- are committed to change this. Now, this is not the second time you did it. I mean, this is not the first time you did it. Sorry. So, like, what are you talking about unintentional? That's like H&M saying, oh, my bad. We didn't mean to put that black boy in a monkey sweater. Mm. It was very intentional. They knew what they were doing. They knew that this statement would be in some way controversial to those who are putting money in their pockets and they didn't want to stir up the pot in the least. And so that's why they did it a second time. It just goes to show like this is still a deep, deep struggle that uh, is dividing uh, Christian spaces. Um, I wonder if Kirk Franklin said, hey, man, listen, we need to realize that the unborn child is someone that we need to protect. Would that have been edited out? I I question whether or not (laughs) that would have that would have been an issue. So it isn't like. All justice issues aren't welcome at the table. It's only particular justice issues that seem to not be welcome at the table. And Tony Evans said in his article that, you know, even him as a radio personality when he was coming up, he was not allowed to do radio and uh, Christian radio because he was black. History has shown that it is the case that we as black people will not be receiving a, a, a equal seat at the table when we want to bring to the forefront our issues. Let's just keep it 100, right? Like, the issue of police brutality is something that white evangelicals, again, continue to not even think is relevant. Like, it's not even a thing, right? right? Like, right. they first of all, many, many, many white evangelicals think black people deserve to get killed half the time they get killed. They weren't listening to the police officer. They deserved whatever. Like, the police officer is almost given, like, absolute, like, rights in every situation, you know, um, until it becomes clear, oh, super clear that someone, like, okay, this police officer was actually wrong in this case. Then it's, then, then it's like silence, before it was like, oh, we we, we want to hear the facts, but then when the facts come out, it's like you don't even they don't even like we don't even hear anything, right? Like even with the case of uh, Botham Gene, right? That was a very clear case. It was silence. It was silence on that issue. Then when that then when his brother came out and like apologized and said like, yo, I love, I, I just want to give you a hug right now. I forgive you and believe in the Lord Jesus. Man, white evangelicals came out the woodwork. Like, yo, like, 
man, this is this is the response right here. Forgiveness and love. And, and we should just care for one another. And like, you know, and, and it just becomes. OK, so so now the gospel could speak to forgiveness and love, but the gospel can't really speak to. OK, so what caused this white woman to come into this man's house, shoot him and feel like it was OK to, to do that? Like wanting to apply the gospel to that issue right so again if, if Kirk Franklin even would have said hey this 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 woman got shot but I think we need to be united as a people and we need to like move past racial animosity and we need to forgive I feel like that could have probably made the cut absolutely it would have that would have made the cut but as soon as we, we want to just we want to make a concerted effort to address racial injustice that still exists in systems and in particular uh, policing systems, well, now we see why that's an issue, right? So, I mean, it continues to be a thing, you know what I mean? And so some part of me is like, you know, I'm saddened, but I'm, it's almost like, oh, okay, again, you know, like this is, this is where we are. Again, right? And what's it going to take to begin to change it? I don't know. But I do think that, you know, as as black people have continued to do, we do need to we do need to continue to boycott some of these things. Like you said, Varlene, I don't know how many black people are aware of what TBN did or, or cares because I grew up listening to TBN. My, my grandma played TBN for better or for worse. Right. But, you know, I had Benny Hinn in the background Come all the on. time. You know what I'm saying? And I grew up on it, and I don't, I don't know if my mom or, or my grandma even thought twice about whether or not TBN affirmed her personhood. Yep. But we got to speak about it. And the more that we put attention to it, the more that the ears of those who are up there will finally actually hear. And that's why we constantly need to be speaking about these things and not be silent, but actually say, look, I have a voice. I know God hears us when we speak about all these injustices. And we're also all supposed to be part of that, being his hands and feet and being part of, you know, um, restoration and reconciling and, and, and turning all this stuff back um, to the way that he wanted it to be, the way that he created it to be. But um, that also includes making sure that our voices are heard by the, the powers that be and hopefully, hopefully they can hear the gospel and they get changed and their hearts are, are turned to, to back to God and so that they can do, they can do his work too. So yeah, we just can't, we just, we really, I, I, it, it just leads me to say that we can't stop speaking. We can't, we need to be part of these things that like Kirk Franklin did. It's very, very noble that what he did. And, um, it's, I'm like, I love that Lecrae jumped on. Um, and I really hope that other gospel artists, black and white would jump on on this as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm perpetually on because I never watched The Devil Wars or <laughs> never turned on like, TV. Likewise, likewise. I, Yo, I, think, I, watched it, I think I've watched it every, I think I've watched it once or twice, but yeah. I just like, don't do award shows in general because it's like, oh, okay, we really like your project. Here's an award. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe just, I would probably watch for performances, but I still don't even do that really. So I'm kind of like perpetually on the boat of protest, whether I like it or not. But yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it was spot on. I think he, him highlighting the fact that you have people of color contributing gifts, talents, and finances to help build the viability of these institutions. That's huge. So now TBN is, is perfectly fine 
capitalizing off of the talent, off of the projects of these people, off celebrating the the art of these people, but but the moment that that they step out of pocket and that could compromise the bottom line yeah. of their the viability of their organ, organization, you see that to a certain extent. The only reason that they were celebrating them was because of the ways that they could they could profit off them. Absolutely, and that's and that's. I mean, that also just goes into the bigger issue of just like the Christian entertainment industrial complex. The moment that you start mixing the gospel and profit, the moment you start mixing justice and profit, and and there's going to be a certain point where you can't serve two masters, Mm. and so now. TBM put themselves in a situation where they felt they couldn't serve two masters. They couldn't serve biblical Ooh. justice and profit at the same time. Yeah. Somebody preaching out. right now. Somebody so, preaching yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, his statement was spot on. Him saying that his goal is reconciliation and accountability is just like such a gospel-centered way to 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 exemplify what it looks like to call out in a way that's that really calls for a response. And looking at both the things we talked about in this episode, these are just both really good uh, examples that articulate um, the fact that representation isn't just some arbitrary thing where you want, you know, a, a diverse, multicultural collective of people making decisions. It's like if you don't hear from from different perspectives, the you're missing out on an application of scripture. Right. You know, if you have certain people in the room this Kirk Franklin thing doesn't get cut yeah. from his from his speech. And so without without that representation, you're not getting a full breadth and scope of truth, justice, the gospel. Both those things just illuminate that in such a in a, in a real way. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely 1000% agree. You know, my my cause for 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 TBN and for others like make make good on that promise. I don't necessarily know what trust looks like. Um, I don't necessarily even know what it looks like for them to, you know, really have true reconciliation in this situation. But you know, I do think that the Christian call, man, is for truth to go forward, regardless of who may disagree, even within the Christian community. And I think that once we say to ourselves, look, we have to stand for truth, righteousness, justice, and there are going to be people outside of the Christian camp, inside the Christian camp, wherever, who may disagree, and we might lose financial backing. We might get a bunch of angry emails. We might get slandered and called, you know, race baiters or whatever people might want to start calling us. But truth must go forward. Like standing for honesty and righteousness must go forward. And, you know, if if we as a church don't have that as a standard of integrity, who else can have that? Right. Mm-hmm. Like where where like I'm sick and tired of 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 organizations that aren't Christians seemingly doing better at this than we're doing, where it's like you see people who are not claiming to be Christian, but simply have a, a greater level of Christian values, <laughs> Christian values when it comes to certain things like this. 
and it's it's very challenging to to continually watch this happen over and over and over again and you know people are just so fear fearsome of the backlash and you know and it's like look i I just think man when we i don't when we bring people into the faith one of the things we need to be teaching them is you're a Christian, prepare to not be liked. Mm. In some way, shape, or form, prepare to suffer. Prepare to, there's going to be a cost. You're going to have to say something, do something. Somewhere down the line, people aren't going to like, but guess what? It represents the truth of what the scriptures have to say. And so, therefore, you should do it. You know, and man, there's just not enough of that, I think, in the community. And when we, you know, we're all clicked up with various different sides and political ideologies and connected to so-and-so who gave so-and-so. And, we, you know, and it's like all of that stuff trumps Jesus, man. And very few times are we really operating completely from that, from a robust Christian worldview. And this is part of the reason why, you know, we end up seeing what, we're, what we end up seeing. And, and I think, again, what ends up happening is, we don't ever get to deal with the root issues of the way that white supremacy, the way that racism, that stuff manifests itself in the community because of these fears and things like that that we're wrestling with. So I don't know. Did you just say all that trumps Jesus? <laughs> all that trumps Jesus. <laughs> Pun intended. No, I'm sorry. As we close this up, I just wanted to read Isaiah 1, um, 17. Um, yeah, bring them to the scriptures, you know what I mean? But I'm going to just read up to 17, 17 and 18, where it talks about learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Um, before beforehand, it talks about like the Lord talking about He's not gonna even listen to your prayers because there's blood on your hands, and um, a lot of the times, I think that we don't see that when these people get shot and we don't say anything, like their voices are crying out to us. Um, in some ways, there is blood on our hands when we don't we don't we don't we don't say their names. You know what I'm saying? We don't mm. acknowledge them as human beings. Um, I think. We, we see here that the Lord is about the oppressed and his people um, being about them as well. So, you know, I just want us to be mindful of that as we seek to live out the gospel in our lives.
Good stuff, good stuff, guys. Well, thank you for listening to episode 33 of the City Image Podcast. I am Bryant, the Theological Giant. Varley the Wild Thornberry. Y'all, y'all gotta be ready. Andy Young. I didn't, didn't want to go first. I didn't want to go first twice. I didn't want to let V. All right, we'll see ready, you guys later. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm Brian, Theological Giant. Andy Young, Nassau County. Varley the Wild Thornberry. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you in the next one. Peace.